Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit TVO.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. According to the province's independent electricity system operator, Ontario needs more power. Specifically, it suggests we need more natural gas-fired power plants. But municipalities across the province are saying no to these projects. So what's going to supply our electricity needs? And does this hint at the beginning of the end for natural gas in our energy future? With us on that in Calgary, Alberta, Shannon Joseph, the chair of Energy for a Secure Future. And here in our studio, Malini Giridhar, Vice President of Business Development and Regulatory at Enbridge Gas. Keith Brooks, Programs Director at the advocacy organization Environmental Defense. And Rachel Doran, Director of Policy and Strategy at Clean Energy Canada. And it's great to have you folks here in the studio. And Shannon, thanks for joining us from Western Canada. Great to have you on the line as well. Let's just do 30 seconds of background here before we get started. In December, the Ontario Energy Board made a decision that prevented Enbridge Gas from passing the cost of connecting new homes to natural gas, passing those costs on to homeowners. The board said that Enbridge had not, quote, provided an adequate assessment of the risk of natural gas becoming obsolete in Ontario's energy transition. Natural gas is not obsolete these days. And Sheldon, if you would, let's bring this chart up. And for those listening on podcast, I'll just describe that we are looking at a circle here, a bit of a graph with uh, our electricity supply mix in the province of Ontario. And on the right hand of the screen, we've got more than half. We keep the lights on overwhelmingly in this province with nuclear power, 54%. And then as you go sort of around the circle to the left, 1% solar, 1% biofuel, 9% wind, 26% hydroelectric, that's stuff like Niagara Falls, and there's natural gas, still 10% of the electricity generation mix in the province of Ontario. Natural gas is Ontario's most common heating source. Two-thirds of the homes in Ontario use it. That's about 3.6 million homes. Here's our question now. Shannon, to you first. What role do you think natural gas should play in Ontario's energy future? Natural gas should play a role in ensuring safety, affordability, reliability of the energy system for Ontarians. And as long as it's needed, it should be used to to ensure those things. And I think lots can be done on the emissions side um, to to address that aspect of the issue. But for me, those are the fundamentals that natural gas needs to deliver. Does deliver today, it needs to deliver in the future. Okay, so if it's 10% today, would it be a problem if it jumped up to 20%? Well, actually, today it's about 27% of the transmission-connected electricity in Ontario. So, you know, on days when when the, there's a peak, it's more than 10% already. Uh, and I think that speaks to the importance of the energy needs to be available and deliver and be reliable when it's needed. And today, natural gas plays a huge role in that. And that's just in electricity. As you pointed out at the beginning, 30% of the end-use energy in Ontario is natural gas today. And that's household applications, that's industrial applications, that connects to jobs. So when we talk about transforming our energy system, there's a lot of big questions to answer. And the question of switching in and out of fuel 
is yes, a question around emissions, but it has to look at all of these other things the energy needs to deliver. Right, can go 27% as needs be. It can. It's one of those sources that can be cranked up as needs be, as they say. Correct. Okay, Rachel, to you, what should natural gas be? You know, how much of it should be part of our future? I think it's great that we started this conversation talking about natural gas in the energy mix as a whole, so playing a role both in home heating as well as in electricity. Mm-hmm. And I think in both of those spaces, what we're seeing happening around the globe is a transition that is trying to move away from emitting sources of energy. And natural gas is a fossil fuel. It emits energy when you produce it, and it emits or emits fossil fuels, um, GHGs, when you produce it and when you use it. So we're not talking about something here that is inherently compatible with that kind of future we want to see with lower emissions. So what we need to start thinking about is flipping the dynamic. Instead of thinking about it as being a solution for everything, natural gas should be moving to be a last resort. You would like to see less of it or none of it? I think that a lot of models that are looking at natural gas on our electricity system, for example, are moving to see natural gas as a backup on those, you know, it's basically like moving from your everyday sneaker to that pair of galoshes you keep in your cupboard for three days a year. Just in case. It's going to be kind of have a transitional role, but very minimal in the electricity system. And in things like home heating, we have heat pumps today that are providing energy more affordably to households, electric, that, you know, you, end uses that you can electrify. And the answer should be electrify everything first that we can because of its affordability benefits and its emissions benefits. And then those things that you can't electrify at the end or that you need to delay, that's where we want to start seeing, you know, a more judicious use of natural gas rather than saying, oh, we'll kind of solve in the future adding carbon capture or other pieces. Start from that opening premise. Gotcha. Molly, your view. Uh, my view is that uh, natural gas will play a significant role in the energy transition for a long time to come. So more than the 10% we currently <clears throat> rely on it for. Well, I think, again, I, I, I do agree with the points made and that the, the natural gas capacity uh, in terms of the electricity mix is much larger than the number of times it actually runs. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's 28% capacity but runs 10% of the time. Uh, the, the reality, though, is that as we increase the amount of non-emitting electricity in the grid, um, you know, those in Ontario are going to be wind, solar, nuclear. Um, and, you know, wind and solar are intermittent and battery technology is great, but it will store nowhere near the amount of energy that needs to be stored in Ontario given our climate conditions. So we still need so natural we, gas. So we need natural gas. What do you view? What is your view? Excuse me. Uh, well, we'd like to see gas phased out over time. Uh, gas is a fossil fuel, coal, oil, and gas. Those are the three fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are predominantly responsible for the climate crisis. We know this year was almost 1.5 degrees above the uh, pre-industrial average. I mean, that's the, the goal we've set in the Paris Agreement, that we don't want to go past that. We're dangerously close to that now. So we need to get off fossil fuels, and that has to include getting off gas. Uh, and as Rachel was saying, so most of the gas here in Ontario is, is actually fracked gas, and with fracked gas, there's a lot of what they call fugitive emissions, but a lot of the gas itself escapes to the atmosphere and as methane. And it's very potent greenhouse gas, 80 times more potent than CO2 in the atmosphere over a 20-year period. So it's causing a lot of warming in the near term. And there's rules. We're going to try to capture more of that fugitives, less, let less of it escape, but it's a real problem now. And then, of course, when we burn the gas, we're releasing carbon dioxide, just like when we burn any other fossil fuel and we need to stop burning those fossil fuels to stop climate change. Since you've raised climate change, let me go to Shannon on that. Can we meet our climate change responsibilities to ourselves and to the rest of the world 
if we burn more natural gas? Um, I, I think we can because it's about emissions. It's not about sources of energy. So, you know, a lot of our power producers and, and elect energy providers are looking at different ways to reduce emissions in our grid and in our distribution, looking at how to blend our renewable natural gas into systems, We're looking at how to blend hydrogen into our systems. But they always look at how to address those emissions goals alongside providing the fundamentals that the energy system needs to deliver. And, you know, when you look at countries that have not adequately paid attention to that, and, you know, the famous example was Germany and Europe more generally, um, they have a lot of renewables capacity. They have not had the ability to deal with some of those intermittency issues. The solution for them had been Russian gas. And when that became less available, they turned back to coal. And when they turned to coal and started demanding the global gas supply, that cut a lot of other countries off. In 2022, had the highest full use um, in the history of the planet. In 2023, uh, was on a similar trajectory. So when we when we kind of arbitrarily go after certain fuels, we can have perverse outcomes, including having higher emissions than we wanted to. Okay, and let so me the try. Focus needs to be emissions. I don't hear anybody in the province of Ontario, for what it's worth, saying we got to go back and re, you know restart the coal plants. So I don't think that's an issue. But can we continue? to use natural gas in the way that we have, maybe relying on it even more as we start to refurbish the nuclear plants and still meet our climate change responsibilities. Maloney, what do you say? We absolutely can. Uh, and as uh, Shannon mentioned, the key is to address the emissions associated with the, with the use of natural gas. And as we see natural gas increasingly complementing uh, renewables on the system and potentially replacing the use of um, gas and oil and transportation and in home heating, you have the ability to move to a lower carbon footprint. We really need to focus on what is the most cost-effective way to reduce emissions while giving Ontarians what they've always been used to, a reliable and resilient energy grid. Can you lower emissions? Can you lower emissions and, and use less natural gas? I think some of the technologies we've talked about today, there's been studies in Ontario that look at the ability for energy efficiency, for example, to meet 20% of Ontario's energy needs. Like the cheapest power plant is the one you don't have to build. And we're living in the digital era where you can really help avoid the electricity system gets built out for the hottest day in Ontario or the coldest day in Quebec. Mm -hmm. How do you just make those days less intense? When you're using heat pumps in households, those are more efficient than air conditioners, you know, like other energy efficiency measures. Battery technology has come down 80% in the last 10 years and projected to continue to decline over the course of the next 10 years. So these, those kinds of technologies are going to help balance out some of the renewables on the grid even more than they have done so in the past. Um, in addition to uh, distributed energy resources, the electric cars that people have in their driveway being able to kind of power homes overnight. Again, another study looked at the ability for Ontario to meet 100% of its incremental needs based on distributed energy resources like that, like uh, solar rooftops. The challenge is human. So how do we create the innovation, the market structures, the design to allow for a culture of innovation and build in kind of that first instinct to try to look at some of these new non-emitting solutions? You heard in my intro, I'm not suggesting that natural gas won't have a transitional role in a very short-term period, but the challenge is 
these plants last for a very long time. Like a transitional period isn't 40 years we're going to be sitting in the status quo. What we need it? to be planning for it today. So transitional period would be how long? Well, I think, you know, people are probably aware that the federal government is talking about a 2035 clean electricity regulations. I think they are creating within the structure of what they first published an ability for natural gas to be used as a peaker. So that's that thing we're talking about, like on those very off days that you might still need it. You might still need to do that in 2035. But I mean, the ISO, the system operator in Ontario said they could see a natural gas moratorium being feasible as of 2027. Like we're not talking about long timelines here. We need to be starting to move to the future and figuring out that transition plan today. Just on the issue of emissions though, is it possible to continue to use natural gas the way we have been and reduce the emissions? Maybe we burn cleaner, I don't know, you tell me. So the goal is not just to reduce emissions. Yes, we can reduce emissions. Uh, that's possible. We could have more efficient plants. We could have more efficient homes. We can blend in some renewable natural gas, perhaps maybe some hydrogen. But the goal is in the electricity sector is to get to net zero emissions by 2035. This is what Canada's goal is, as articulated by the prime minister. This is what the goal is across Europe and in many, many countries. And then the goal is to get to net zero emissions across the whole economy by 2050. So we're not just talking about making incremental emissions, we're talking about getting to zero. And we can't get gas to, to zero, it's a fossil fuel. And there's, there's three things that people can do to reduce emissions from gas. One is carbon capture, a technology that we're highly skeptical about. We've spent billions of dollars on carbon capture in Canada and have captured to date less than half of 1% of all of Canada's emissions. Uh, and also carbon capture is not practical in Ontario. The ISO and most companies in, in Ontario have admitted there's just no storage. There's nowhere to put the carbon if you were able to capture it. Plus, it's expensive. The other technologies are renewable natural gas, which is like landfill gas from decaying organic matter. Now, that's in, in, in theory, that's kind of a, a low carbon or zero carbon because it's coming, it's coming from food today. But there's only limited capacity of it. Uh, and the same thing goes for hydrogen. We don't have any way to really produce hydrogen. We can't blend it in. Uh, at higher than, than 20% or even maybe 8% in a lot of systems. So it doesn't get us close to zero. And the, the province of Ontario recently had an electrification and energy transition panel created by this provincial government. And what they concluded was that natural gas has a role in the near term, but these technologies, RNG, hydrogen, they don't get us to net zero. And so their future is increasingly questionable in the medium to long term. They don't see gas uh, having a role as we go forward as we reach toward those net zero goals, which has to be what we're headed toward. We've heard a Can few- Can I actually respond to that? Sure, please. <laughs> so I, I just want to say a couple of things. The, um, the, the panel report that you're referring to has not said that there is no role for natural gas in the future. They do acknowledge that there is a very significant role in the short and medium term. And yes, there is uncertainty about what that long-term use is. But I think that's really not answering the question. We should ask, what is the most cost-effective way to reduce emissions here and now using the technologies that we have today? And heat pumps are great, but heat pumps do not work well on the coldest day of the year. And if you want that heat pump to be reliable on the coldest day of the year, you do need natural gas. You need natural gas to back up the power grid, but having natural gas in your home as a backup will also improve the resilience and reliability of what you have. Would you so, agree with that, Rachel? So there are on the market today uh, heat pumps that are ground source that work on the coldest day. They have tested um, cold climate heat pumps in the Yukon that work down to minus 27 degrees. Yeah. I think in looking at our recent studies around even if you use a conventional heat pump that won't 
you know, necessarily survive the coldest day in an Ontario winter in the north of Ontario, um, having some backup that could be electric or could be conventional furnace would allow you to save emissions and money over the course of almost the entire year. So to me, that's a great example of how do you start with all of these other solutions and kind of leave the very end possibility for maybe some natural gas, but start from the premise of electrify everything. And I think, you know, Keith's point around carbon capture is really important. We can't just be building in natural gas, assuming it's going to get to zero with, you know, some future action. We need to be figuring out today, if we're using that as a solution, what is its pathway to zero? Okay, we've heard several references here to the ISO. I just, I'm going to get this in here, Shannon, then I'll come right back to you. Uh, the ISO, Independent Electricity System Operator, which operates the electricity market here in the province of Ontario. And here's what they say about all this. They say there is presently no form of generation on the grid that provides the same level of flexibility that natural gas does. Over the next few years, as nuclear units are taken out of service for retirement or for refurbishments, natural gas generation will be essential to reliability. Okay, let's get some discussion going on that. Uh, Shannon, of course, sun doesn't always shine, wind doesn't always blow. Do we need natural gas as a reliable electricity grid backstop in this province? So, yes, and it's not just the ISO that has said that. Electricity Canada, which represents the ISO, the OPG, uh, Toronto and uh, Ottawa Hydro, but also BC Hydro, Hydro-Quebec, said the same thing. We There is no technology that now that will be able to have the same function and uh, characteristics in natural gas delivers in terms of system stability, performance, reliability, a backstop to renewables integration. There's no battery now that will replace the, what gas does for a week when it's minus 30 or minus 40. Um, and so that that's important. But again, we're, we're still only talking about um, part of the system. If, if we're talking about electrifying everything, electrifying all heat, um, the 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 role of gas now in Ontario's energy end use is about the equivalent of I think 260 terawatt hours I found so that's a 1.7 times what our electricity system produces today and replacing what what fuels uh, provide in transportation will be another you know doubling of what we need to provide in our electricity system and this, when we're talking about increasing what electricity does and uh, having those sources have lower and lower emissions, we still need to do that in a way that is affordable, reliable, and, and delivers on all the safety and other characteristics. We haven't talked about cost, the cost of heat. Okay, well, hang, hang on a sec. We're running out of time things. here. We're running out of time here, and I want to make sure we get everybody in on this. Keith, is it an essential, still an essential part of keeping the lights on in the province? It is today, but we need to be planning for a time when we don't need gas. That's the target. And so we don't want to be building new gas. We don't want to be installing new gas furnaces in homes. We're in a transition, and that means we're getting off fossil fuels, bringing in other technology. And that's going to take time, but we need to be moving through that. And I think when it comes to the affordability question, too, we, it might be affordable, it might be inexpensive to reduce emissions a little bit from gas today. But what if we invest in technology that doesn't get us close to net zero, that doesn't get us to the ultimate goal, and we end up with stranded assets? We end up spending a lot of money on something that didn't actually get the job done. Is, is that is that cost-effective use of money? I don't think so. So that's why we don't want to be see us building gas plants, investing in carbon capture, investing in other speculative technologies that don't get us to the final destination. 
Well, the flip side of that is, and Rachel, I'll go to you on this, if we transition too quickly away from natural gas, does electricity simply become too expensive for us? Well, I think maybe to your previous quote, the IESO also has already started a procurement, you know, that's going to start next year, trying to get non-emitting sources on the grid in 2030. So even that same quote, as Keith just said, they're talking about this very short transitional period, and they're already, you know, moving next year to be looking for non-emitting sources like wind and solar, um, and thinking that that's going to be a good way to start balancing that increasing demand we know is going to be out there because renewables have come down in cost by 85% around the globe. Are they reliable enough yet? So I think, again, that's where, you know, I pointed out that distributed energy resources study, which says technically this can produce, you know, Ontario's incremental demand. On the market structure today, are they going to be competitive? Do we have the regulatory structure? The ISO at the end of that quote kind of said they need to test some of these scenarios before they're willing to substitute them like for like for natural gas. And what I'm saying is it's not going to be like for like. The future energy system is going to look very different. It's going to have a lot of regional solutions. Vermont, they looked at building out transmission lines for all of the new electricity demand that might be needed in, the, in their state. And they ended up buying batteries for folks to stick them in the basement. So there's a lot of creative solutions out there for, that we need to be examining and that we're going to get to through human ingenuity if we start from that premise first of how do we satisfy this need, not you know how do we justify a role for a particular resource going forward. We do need to talk for a couple of minutes here about the Ontario Energy Board decision, which I know Enbridge did not like, uh, which does not permit you to pass along the costs of uh, supplying electricity to new homes um, because they say you didn't make the case that natural gas is not going to be obsolete. Uh, natural gas to homes, not electricity. Uh, can you tell me why you think that decision was made in error? Because I know, obviously, you guys disagree with that call. Yeah, happy to do that. But before that, I just want to present oh, three God, facts. Oh, God, I hate when people do that. <laughs> I, I that was a present. whole big, nice setup there. It now, was a lovely setup, yeah. but you just, you're just going to have to wait for, for a minute. <laughs> Gas delivers 30% of the energy of this province for a quarter of the cost of electricity, and it delivers five times the peak energy that electricity does. And in it this pollutes. Province. It provides safe, reliable energy to Ontarians that they're used to. It and does, we accept but it pollutes. We accept that we need lower emissions in the future. Mm. We nobody is questioning the need to get to net zero. It's how you get there. So let's okay. get to this OEB decision now. So this OEB decision was actually a process that was going to be setting rates for 2024. It's a routine process, if somewhat complex. One of the outcomes of this decision was to require new homeowners connecting to natural gas to put out thousands of dollars in upfront payments to connect to gas. This is completely upending the affordable access to energy that has been part of the history for Ontarians for decades and decades. So why is this a problem? It's a problem, first of all, because we had an unfair process. This was never identified as something for people to participate in. As a result, you did not have developers, you did not have municipalities, you did not have new homeowners as part of this process. It's also unjust because these changes come into effect less than 12 months from now. This means that an Ontarian homeowner that wants to connect to gas on January 1, 2025 is going to have to pay thousands of dollars in the midst of an unprecedented housing crisis in Ontario. And somebody connecting in 2024 
doesn't have to pay those thousands of dollars because they can rely on the fact that they'll be paying those gas rates for a period of time. But even that is in question because the Ontario Energy Board also cut Enbridge's capital by 20%. So even if we want to connect some of these customers, we may not be able to because we don't have the capital to do so. Can you so appeal the decision? We are appealing the decision. To whom? Well, we are appealing it to the courts, and we've also filed um, what is called a regulatory redress at the OEB, which is a motion to review this decision. Keith, what do you think? Thank you. I, I really want to weigh in on this one. But yeah, so <clears throat> the OEB, what it is is that Enbridge has been subsidizing the cost of gas hookups for new homes, for builders. So it's not about homeowners. This is about builders. When they go to build a new development, they don't have to pay to put in any pipelines into the homes and all that kind of stuff. Enbridge pays for it. But actually... You pay for it if you use gas in your home. All Ontario ratepayers, everyone that uses gas is actually paying for it. We're paying for Enbridge to, to, to pay the costs for builders to connect gas to a new home. And so it raised rates. And the OEB said, why should every person in Ontario pay for gas to go to a new person? We want the builders, not the homeowners, because no one's going to build a house and say, oh, by the way, there's no energy to the home. Uh, there is. There's either going to be gas or electric. There'll be a heat pump or there'll be a furnace. And so they said the builders should pay this cost up front. And when they do that, they're going to be prompted to make a decision. Now they have to pay the cost. They might say, well, we can just, we'll pay it. And it's only $4,000, which is not a large cost when you're constructing a home. Or they'll decide to go for a heat pump, which is more cost effective, like it costs them less money. And the good things about the heat pumps is it costs the homeowner less money. That was what the OEB found, is that it's cheaper to operate a heat pump. So there was a split incentive where the builders were incentivized just to go put gas in, put gas in, because it cost them nothing. But then homeowners are buying new homes with gas furnaces that are probably going to run for 20 years, and it's going to cost them more to operate. So this has just really prompted a question. It's prompted the builders to maybe rethink how they're building and maybe going, and, and by the way, they could still put gas in. No one has said a gas ban that is taking place in Montreal, in Nanaimo, and other cities across Canada, and many parts of the world, in New York State. They're banning gas hookups. In Ontario, they just said, maybe we should make builders think about, should we put gas in, since it's going to saddle homeowners with higher costs and get them hooked on fossil fuels for probably decades. You want to come back on that? Yes, I do. So first of all, the presumption that costs borne by builders are not going to be passed on to homeowners is, in my view, somewhat specious. They will be. They will be. Secondly, we do not have the electricity right now to electrify all these new homes coming on. This province and this government has said in its letter of direction to the Ontario Energy Board, they want to ensure the timely and affordable access to natural gas and electricity for building homes faster in this province. So that's actually government policy. There isn't the electricity at this point in time. In fact, our estimate is that you need 750 megawatts incremental electricity every year to attach 150,000 homes to electricity alone. Now, if you went with hybrid heating, leverage the gas system and the non-emitting electricity system we have today, you can actually get there. You can get to lower emissions. We really did not need the Ontario Energy Board to act in this fashion. In fact, there was a very powerful dissent from one of the three commissioners that pointed out that not only do we not know if there's electricity, the developers and these new homeowners and the impacted people were not in this proceeding. So any conclusion you draw is purely speculative because these people were not there to represent themselves. Rachel. So... I think what we're seeing happening in real time is a debate about what is affordability and what does it mean. And the OEB, with great respect to Enbridge, 
said, Enbridge, you've submitted a plan to us that assumes that every home in Ontario is going to be hooked up to natural gas 40 years from now. To me, that's not a transition if we're talking about timelines like 2035 or even 2050. Like, that's predicting everything will be the same. And the risk that they saw to affordability is if people are starting to come off the gas system, put in their heat pumps and stuff over a predictable period of time, those last few people on the gas are gonna have to pay for all of these hookups and all this infrastructure that got put in for very few users. So that's the risk to affordability that the OEB is saying. And they're saying it's our job to say, you know, we're not gonna allow that kind of stranded assets. You need to put this cost up front. We can't just back end it on those few users. But, and I think, you know, Keith has brought up a few other pieces around affordability in the energy transition, like households, according to our research, that convert today to kind of electrifying their home heating, you know, their transportation, and other pieces are saving money today, and that's likely to even increase over time. So, you know, we need to change from this kind of dynamic where we're thinking about, like, the rates for energy only into this broader conversation about affordability in the energy transition. What happens when you're not having to pay at the gas pump for your car, you're paying for kind of electricity, your bill is probably going to go up a little bit, but way less than what you were paying for in the gas-powered part. And this idea of stranded assets is part of the reason why many jurisdictions that are looking forward in the energy transition are starting to plan together. They're integrating planning for natural gas and electricity with a clean economy or net zero goal, which is also in that same electrification panel recommendations for Ontario. So these are the conversations you start to have about how can we create a predictable runway where we know what's going to be used and for how long on sources like natural gas to get to that net zero and zero emissions future. Shannon, let me give you a Good chance night. to put a bow on this and wrap it up. Thank you. I, I think that um, just to make a comment on that affordability piece, when you have to, to triple or your electricity mm -hmm. system, the cost of all the new supply, the new transmission are all getting passed on to people's bills. So the idea that Canada is going to increase its population, which we're trying to do, that we're going to introduce new industries, which we're trying to do, and 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 electrify transport, and somehow electricity is going to be cheaper and save people money, and these costs aren't going to be passed on, I don't think makes sense. And so I think we, we need to look at how does our system deliver everything it needs to deliver? What are the sources of energy we have? And 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 how do we ensure that that remains affordable and reliable for people? And and I just think we haven't reckoned with what it means to significantly increase our electricity generation and transmission and what that means for cost and how having a gas system alongside that manages that in a more affordable way. And we don't know how long that runway is going to be because we just need more. As we often say on this program, to be continued. Mr. Director, can I have a shot of everybody, please, so that I can thank all of our guests for coming on the agenda tonight. Grateful to all of you. Thank you. Thank you thank very you. much. Thanks. Thank you. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is made possible through generous philanthropic contributions from viewers like you. Thank you for supporting TVO's journalism.